Hello and welcome to the Victory Alabang Podcast. You're listening to a message from our preaching entitled 2020 Vision. Together, we'll gain a biblical understanding of what a clear and healthy vision in life looks like. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. My question for us today is, how clear do you see the future? Is 2020 something that you see coming from the eyes of God? And I hope that we do see it from the perspective of God. And so we're going to be looking at this particular text uh, today, we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 6, okay? So this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, two verses only. So if you have your Bibles, would you kindly open it to Matthew chapter 22, uh, 6, uh, Matthew chapter 6, rather, verse 22 to 23, and I'd like for you to stand up with me. In fact, what we're doing today is we're going to be reading from three translations. So just stand up, and I'm just going to... Uh, Click this on for us as we read together. We're standing so that we can actually give reverence to the Word of God. Okay, so Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 to 23. Okay, we'll first be reading from the ESV version and then we'll be reading from the NIV and then we'll compare it with the King James. All right, so I'd like to invite, since it's the first Sunday of the year, let's all read it out loud in unison all together. Ready? One, two, three. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? That's from the ESV. Now let's read from the NIV altogether. One, two, three. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now now let's go to King James, which is a more literal translation of the verse from the Sermon on the Mount, okay? The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. If... But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for our time this afternoon. I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. Holy Spirit, speak to us what you want to reveal and what you want to speak as you, Lord, just encourage your people to look beyond what they see in the natural I thank you, Lord God, that you will give us a greater perspective. Give us good eyes. Give us a beautiful eye, healthy eye, single eye. As we, uh, Lord, start this year, this new, new decade altogether. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, this particular verse is arguably one of the most puzzling statements of Jesus found in the Sermon on the Mount. The other, you know, the other verses are just straight up uh, easy to interpret. In fact... Uh, just a few verses before this, it was talking about fasting. And it says here, since we're fasting tomorrow, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward, but when you fast, anoint your head uh, with oil, wash your face, uh, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is seen in secret. And your Father who sees 
in secret will reward you. It's very straight up. But yeah, this particular verse that we have just read seems like it's a riddle or, you know, it's talking about the eye. It's talking about like a metaphor of sorts. And you don't really know what this is referring to. But I think the best way when you talk about biblical interpretation, I hope that how many of you are excited to read the Bible this year more than ever before? Please raise your hand. And I hope that you will, you know, as we start off this year, let's read the Bible together. Let's dig ourselves in the Word of God. You know, because, you know, the, the Word of God is life. And the Word of God is the one that gives direction. The Bible says, your word is the light unto my feet and the lamp unto my path. And so if you want guidance for this year, go and read the Word of God. Okay, the Holy Spirit will anoint you uh, to, 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 uh, to know what's there. But the best, when you talk about interpretation of the Word, there's also what you call context. You know, the, you know, the, the clue is in the context. And so when you look at this particular passage that we've just read, it's talking about good eye. It's talking about a healthy eye. It's talking about a single eye. It's talking about an unhealthy eye, an evil eye, a bad eye. What does that mean? How many of you think that you have a good eye? Please raise your hand. You have a good eye. Now, I'm not talking about you having glasses, okay? I'm talking about you, you know, you have a beautiful eye. Okay, you have a beautiful eye. Please raise your hand. You have a beautiful eye. Look at the person beside you and just close your eyes. Close open, close open, okay? You know, we, you know we, we have beautiful, hopefully we have beautiful eyes. But what does it mean for us to have a good eye? What does it mean for us to have a beautiful eye? You've got to learn how to interpret Scripture by looking at the context. And we've read in verse 22 and 23, and the best way for us to do is to visit the previous verse and the verse after that. It's sandwiched between two chunks of verses that talks about possession and finances. And the kingdom of God. And so, if you go to the previous verses in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21, a very familiar text that we all know, that we've actually tackled before. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves, uh, yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also wherever your treasure is there your heart will also be but what's interesting about this particular verse is the word treasures were met was were mentioned three times it was mentioned mentioned three three times here treasures on earth treasures in heaven where your treasure is and you've got to take note also that there's like two contradic contradictions uh, inside the passage it says do not lay up for yourselves and then there's another one that statement that says lay up for yourselves so there's a right way to lay up treasures in and there's a wrong way or a wrong place where to lay treasures in where is the right place to lay, to lay treasures in in heaven everybody say in heaven now how many of you are going to heaven someday please raise your hand not right now someday Someday. Please raise your hand. Okay? And we can say that because we're confident of the fact that Jesus paid the price for us. Forgiven, adopted in the kingdom. You can be sure. Amen. Look at the person beside you and tell the person, I can be sure that I'm going to heaven. So you're, you're going to heaven and someday you're going to see all the treasures that you have laid up for yourselves in heaven. And also Jesus said that you are not to lay for yourselves treasure here on earth. Now, there's nothing wrong with having treasures on earth. Let me just go ahead and say that. 
We need to save. The Bible says also from the Bible, a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. There's, there's, a, there's a way for us to be able to lay uh, treasure here, but our heart is not focused on our treasure. Are we getting it? There's a big difference between saving and your heart is after those things. In the succeeding verses, Jesus said that Gentiles run after those things, but not the children of God. How many children of God do we have here in this place? You are saved, you are born again, you're a child of God, okay? But lay your treasures in heaven because the heart is the control center of all things. Where is your heart? Is your heart towards the infinite, or is your heart towards the temporary? We are to lay ourselves, our treasures, in heaven. Where moth, the Bible says, where moth, rust, and thieves do not break in and steal. You know, even if you are driving a brand new car today, let me just tell you this. After five years, it'll break down already. It may be the nicest brand of car that you can drive. But let me tell you this. All the things that we have on this earth, they're temporary. They're temporary. It won't last. Even if you buy the most expensive house or build the most expensive house, you know, guess what? In 10, 15 years, it's going to have, you know, uh, what? I don't know. <laughs> termites. <laughs> it's going to have termites. It's going to actually, you know, start having some problems. There's going to have some, there are going to be some leaks in your roof. It's all temporary, but not treasures in heaven. Now let's go to the verse after the I thing, the I verse. Matthew 6, 24 talks about no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here you see two bookends of you cannot serve. First book end is on verse 24. And the last is, you cannot serve God and money. So there's an emphasis here that Jesus is emphasizing in these two sets of verses about being careful. You know, there's nothing wrong with having possessions. There's nothing wrong with having money. What's wrong is when money has you. There's nothing wrong in owning money. The problem is when the money starts owning us. That's going to be the problem. And so it's almost like as if it's a plan, it's a will, you know. He will, it's as if it's sure it's going to happen. It's not just a possibility, it's bound to happen. If you're serving one of these, you will actually hate the one and love the other and be devoted to the one and despise the others. Now that we can, we know the context, what does it mean to have a good eye? You know, how many of you are wondering, you know, this is actually a set of verses talking about finances. It's talking about possession. It's talking about treasures. You know, in the English language, we have different description for eyes, right? If you say that someone has a blurry eye, it means that that person is actually tired. The eyes are tired. If you say that somebody has a dreamy eye, what do you mean by that? That person is in love. Yung iba naman talagang sleeping during the sermon. I don't know, just kidding. Dreamy eyes. Actually, you know, you're in love or you're thinking about someone. 
you know, lately I've been actually having a twitching eye. And I asked my wife yesterday, love, what's the cause of a twitching? I know that. Sabi niya ganon. Sabi niya ganon. Hey Siri. <laughs> and then what's the cause of a twitching eye? So, you know, the, the, the iPhone said, I have a result for, you know, the twitching eye. Do you want me to read it? Something like that. So, you know, the different things, you know, why, why we have, why I have a twitching eye is because it says lack of sleep. Possibly. Stress. Okay. Uh, too much screen time. Ouch. Or too much caffeine. That's also a possibility. Or if somebody is said to have a red eye, get away from that person. Anyway, so that's, that's sore eyes, okay? But in the Jewish context, there's actually a meaning when they say that someone has a good eye. In the first century, when Jesus is saying, you know, you have a good eye, and if you have a good eye, your body will be full of light. There's a meaning for that. And you know the meaning? The, the, the real, actual context of Jesus is this. A person who is generous has a good eye. A good eye means that you are generous. How many of you just heard about that today? I just heard about that yesterday. No, no. <laughs> now when I started studying this, I said, what does this mean? A good eye practices generosity. And that's exactly why it's sandwiched between treasures and it's sandwiched between master. You're going to be devoted to the one or the other. Because if you're not generous, you're not laying for yourself treasure in heaven and you're actually being, you're allowing money to own you. That's why if you look at other you know, parts of the Old Testament that talks about generosity, you'll see a reference to I. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9, it says, in the King James Version, allow me to read it for you, okay? He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth of his bread to the poor. You know, in the NIV, it just says there, He who is generous shall be blessed. But he who, has, who gives his bread to the poor, who helps the poor, you know, yeah, you know, that's exactly what it means. A bountiful eye is someone who's generous. Somebody who's got a good eye or a beautiful eye or a healthy eye or a single eye, is one who is generous. And the opposite of the healthy eye is what? An unhealthy eye. Or a bad eye. Or someone who is stingy. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 6, it says, Do not eat the bread of a man who is what? Stingy, do not desire his Delicacies or delicacies. In the King James Version, the literal translation, okay, it says, Eat thou not the bread of him that hath. Sarapasahin ng King James? Let's just shift to King James next week, okay? No, just kidding. Okay? Uh, Eat thou not the bread of him that hath, and what? An evil eye, neither desire thou. His dainty meats. 
Look at the person beside you and ask this question. How thou is your eye? Come on, ask the question. How thou is your eye? Tama ba English How thou is your eye? How thou? That's why you see here, a person is stingy is a person with an evil eye. A person is generous is somebody who's got a generous eye. You know, in the Hebrew culture, whenever there's a need and they, whenever there's a community need, for example, like the widow uh, needing finances, whether it's in the first century uh, Hebrew culture or in the modern day, today, if you go around Palestine and when they go around the community and when they say, would you give with a good eye? What they mean is, would you give generously for this cause? And when they would announce in the radio about this particular need, for example, there's a cancer drive and they're you know, going from house to house and they would announce in the radio, please give with a good eye. Give with a healthy eye. And that's part of the Hebrew culture. So when you talk about having a good eye, it means that you are generous. Look at the person beside you and tell the person, you have a good eye, not a black eye. Now let's go back to the verse and just transpose and put in the words generous to the good eye and let's look at it from a different mean, uh, from a different perspective. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are what? Good, healthy, or single, or if you are generous, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, unhealthy, evil, if you are stingy, or not generous, your body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? This is what literally means. Sense. Literally, a good eye is a generous eye. A bad eye is a stingy person. You know, when you go to Israel, later last week you talked about the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is actually full of life. There's so much different kinds of species there in the Sea of Galilee. And there's... The, the, the people there, you know, they, they, their livelihood is fishing. But that's separated by the Jordan River that leads straight to the Dead Sea down south of Israel. In the Dead Sea, there's nothing there. That's why it's called dead. The only thing there is salt, salinity. You can actually float there without even struggling. You can lie down there and, and float because there's no life. You know why? Because there's only incoming current and there's no outgoing current in the Dead Sea. It only takes and takes and takes. There's no outlet for it to give out. That's why it's dead. And I believe that that is so true for us as well. If there's no outlet, if there's no, you know, heart of generosity, and you know, the true heart of generosity really comes from our Father. Amen. And you see the same parallel. And we don't have time to do this, to, uh, to go there. In Matthew chapter 20, uh, it says, In the parable of the vineyards, uh, when the vineyard uh, owner were, you know, when the, when the different guys were begrudgingly telling the vineyard, why did we all receive this same wage? And the vineyard said, uh, owner said, you know, don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? Or are you begrudging because I have a good eye, a generous eye. Our father himself is a generous God. Amen. Generosity brings us into light, but stinginess brings us into darkness. And I believe that as a people of God, this year, 2020, God's calling us to be more generous, more gracious, more compassionate, more loving, to help the poor, to be generous with our time, amen? To be generous with our finances, to be generous with our talent, to be generous with our love, to be generous with our forgiveness, amen? 
How many of you know that God forgave us first? That's why we can, we can forgive others as well. If God has been generous with His love for us, we can also be generous with our love for others. Let's all have a good eye for this year. So that's one application there. That's direct application of that scripture. But other application or other implication also we can actually use for the good eyes. A good eye brings clarity. A good eye brings clarity. And you know, I'm one of those who actually don't, you know, my eyes are not clear. You know, I started having, you know, glasses when I was in college. And, uh, you know, when I take off my glasses, you're all a blur. But I think you are all beautiful. See, it's a blur by faith, you know. But when I put it on, then it becomes clear. A good eye brings clarity. That's why it's, it's important for us to, to let, give of ourselves a good eye. You know, and the Bible says in, uh, in the ESV, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your, eyes, if your eye is healthy, your body, your whole body will be full of light. The eye is very important physically. You know, we, we want to be able to see clear, clarity around us. You know, there's a, you know, when we were uh, watching some news on ABC, I think, there's in the U.S. now what they're doing with children or students who are impaired uh, in their um, uh, uh, sight because of color blindness is they give them uh, this new lenses so that they can actually see colors for the first time. And one particular student, you know, this actually went viral uh, in the internet. First time he's seen colors in his entire life. Watch the reaction of this kid. Do you see the colors of the rainbow? Do you see the beauty in every tragedy? Do you see the beauty in a trial? Do you see the beauty in every person? Each person is made in the image of God, Imago Dei. How good is your eye? Do you see things clearly the way God sees them? Do you see the glory of God in the you know, in the, in the beauty of all his creation. The eye really is similar to the heart, you know, according to the Jewish literature. Uh, it's, it's the land that reveals the quality of a person's inner life. And you have a good eye, it means that you are reflecting the image of God inside of you. And so the good eye helps the body find its way. You know, it's a healthy eye, you know, means that we're loyally devoted to the Lord. There's something about the good eye that draws us to the things of God. There's something about a good eye, a beautiful eye, a single eye, a healthy eye that draws us to the kingdom of God. So let me ask you these questions. How clearly am I seeing with respect to where I'm storing my treasure, heaven and earth, or earth? Where is your treasure? Where is your heart? Am I caught up in the pursuit of worldly things to the detriment of the ones that I love? Is my heart held captive by material possessions, by the pursuit of careers, by grades, for those of you who are students, by relationships, for those of you who are longing for relationships, by achievements, by accomplishments, or by worldly passions? What does your calendar reveal about you? What does your bank account reveal about you? Does it reveal about your good eye? You know, when you give of your time and yourself to others, and I believe that, in other words, Jesus wants us to set our sight on the things that are above and not on the things that are temporary here on earth. Amen. The reality is we can never put enough time into the eternal. 
There's always an opportunity for us to be distracted and refocused and be divided with our focus, which leads me to my last point as I prepare to close. A good eye brings priority and focus. First point is a good eye is generous. A good eye brings clarity. Third is a good eye brings priority and focus. You know exactly what to prioritize. You know exactly what to focus into. You know, you, you know exactly that you are to fix your eyes or gaze upon the things that are important. That is having a good eye. And it says in the, it's still in verse 22, back in the King James Version, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be what? Single. Thy whole body shall be full of light. A good eye is being single-minded. A good eye is being focused. A good eye is knowing where to put your treasures in. A good eye is not distracted. It's not divided. Divided means double vision. You've got two focus. You're divided. You cannot serve both God and money. You only have one master. And in fact, this master that we serve is not even a master that treats us like a slave. This master that treats us like a son and a daughter is the one who gave himself for us and he loves us deeply. How clear and how good is your eye. You can never have two masters. You can never decide on, you know, you can have both. You can say, you know, I love God, but I also like money. God will take care of your finances. God will take care of the things that you need every day. You cannot try to serve two masters who are going to have double vision. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 2, verse uh, 23, verse 7, it says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Where the mind goes, the man follows. Where your thoughts are, you normally walk in it. If you fill your minds with good things, guess what? What's going to come out from your heart are good stuff. If you always focus on the negative things, if you always bathe, uh, you know, in, in, in the internet or in the computer, if you watch Netflix the whole day, or if you, if you go, you know, if you do the social media the whole day, maybe the reason why we're so envious about others is because we're looking at the wrong stuff. We look on the things that others have and fail to see what we have. God has given us so much. And God has given us so much blessing that we can actually thank God for every single day. You have to compare yourself with another. As a man thinks in himself, so is he. My, my question is, what are we letting into our mind today? Are we just focusing on the negative things? You know, the advertisers know about this if you're from marketing. Because the eye is the gate to your soul. And the first thing that actually, you know, the first image that enters the eye, you're going to be attracted to that. That's why advertisers spending millions of dollars just trying to put in an ad on social media. Have you ever wondered why, you know, you're browsing and then there's an ad that comes up and it knows exactly who you are. It knows that you are a 35-year-old man looking for a bike. Because of algorithm, they studied this. And they want to lure you into this. We must guard the eye gate. The eye gate is so important. You know, in, in, in China, 
they've built the Great Wall for many, many years to protect them from the northern invasion. And yet they were invaded three times, not over the walls, but actually through the gates because they failed to train their gatekeepers and they were bribed by invaders. Watch, guard your eye gate. What do you let in your eyes? Focus on things that are pure and true and noble and, and, you know, and heavenly and godly instead of things that are negative, things that are, you know, uh, things that are damaging to your soul. If you focus too much on image, like for example, porn, can you imagine? That eats you up. And now you see men or women not as human beings but as objects. We must guard the eyes. The eyes also have an appetite. Have you ever heard of this statement? Feast your eyes on this. There's a way for us to actually have entertaining our eyes. We're actually lured into something. A temptation. You know, there are two uh, particular stories that reminds us of the power of the eye. You know, back in the book of Joshua, when they were attacking Jericho, God said, don't get anything there because I'm going to reserve the next city for you. But devote all the things for me. Don't take for yourself anything. But yet Achan took something for himself. And the whole land of Israel were judged because of the sin of one man. And you know how it started? Through the eye. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 21, it says, When I saw, this was Achan confessing to Joshua, when I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, 200 seconds and a bar of gold, weighing 50, then I coveted them and took them. Much of the sin that we have starts from the lust of the eyes. In fact, even the first sin in the garden started with the lust of the eyes. The temptation of Eve in Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the what? To the what? To the eyes. And the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took the fruit and she ate. And she gave to the husband as well. What are you looking at? What are you focusing your eyes on? Are your eyes on the things of the kingdom? Or are your eyes on the things of this world that are so temporary? Let's all have a good eye. And let's ask the Lord for His divine grace. Lord, help us to keep a good, a healthy, a single eye. May this year, 2020, be a year where we will see clearly the purpose and the things of God in our midst. In fact, further down the scripture, we will read that in, in chapter 6, verse 33, a very familiar text. It says, to seek first the kingdom of God. Very clear. It's almost like a common thread in what Jesus was saying in the Sermon on the Mount. Lay yourself treasures. Have a good eye. Don't serve two masters. The previous verse before this is, do not be anxious about anything. But seek first the kingdom of God and His rise in all these things. What do you see? What are you seeking? 
if you seek the kingdom of God, the eternal, the one that is actually up there, we focus our gaze on Jesus. He'll take care of everything that we need. Amen. Verse 34 says, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let tomorrow worry about itself. We're going to look to God. Amen. This 2020 will be a year where all of us will have a clear vision for God. Amen. Come on now. Give the Lord a hand this afternoon. Greater things are up ahead. I hope that we can all perceive it. I hope that we can all see it. To have a good eyes to see what God has in store for us in His kingdom. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.